as you might, uh, might know, we had planned for me to be up here for some weeks now, but uh, what you may not know is I'm a planner, but I'm not a predictor. And as we look at things, we don't know from one day to the next what's going to happen. Uh, when we wake up or when we're awakened, we just have no way of predicting the things that are going to happen that day. But you know, our sovereign Savior does. He knows in advance, and His grace and His mercy are more than sufficient and perfect for whatever we're going to face. As you're aware, this week we've experienced a significant loss. And we can't, and we really shouldn't ignore that. Like many of you here, I've been on an emotional roller coaster this week. Uh, we've lost an elder. We've lost a founding member of this church. We've lost a Sunday school teacher. We've lost a very dear brother and a very dear friend. And so much more to so many people. Um, so if I get a little emotional, I think y'all will understand, and I hope you'll forgive me. Um, today I want to take just a few minutes to look at Scripture and to see what Scripture says as we experience loss and grief and take comfort in what God has said and what God has done and is doing. Gracious Heavenly Father, we, we bow our heads and in those times when we just don't know what to do, we lean on you. And Father, we thank you that that is all the support we need. Father, we thank you for the body that supports us. We thank you for the love that uh, you have put in us for each other. Father, today as we open your word, we ask that only what you would have said would be said. Father, that I would be a conduit. Father, that this would be an opportunity for us to, to dig into what you have said and to concentrate on you as we continue to worship. Father, that nothing would be edited, added, or taken away. And Father, you would speak directly to our hearts. It's in the name of Christ Jesus that we pray. Amen. So y'all, when you think about comfort foods... What immediately comes to your mind? For me, fried chicken, mashed potatoes and gravy, maybe macaroni and cheese, and on a really good day, black-eyed peas and cornbread. Those things never get old. I can have them over and over again, and they just never get old, and they're always welcome on my table. And, and so it is with the text we're going to look at today. Today we're looking at the 23rd Psalm. Countless times have we read that, countless times have we heard it, and yet still it gives us comfort and peace in a time where we need it the most. Many of you have probably memorized this, and it's a familiar passage, so if you would read along with me the 23rd Psalm. The Lord 
is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy, and I'm sorry, and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Uh, Y'all probably caught me. Many of us have memorized that verse in another translation. Uh, I grew up in a day and age when the King James was more popular, and y'all saw me stumble over some of those words from the King James, but they're still refreshing. You know, we live in, in fearful and times when things are often unexpected and events come up that we just can't prepare for. Some events make absolutely no logical sense to us. We can't understand why. And if we're terribly honest with ourselves, I think we'll all admit that we like routine. Yeah, we want some variety at times, but even that variety is already on the menu, isn't it? So these unexpected times, at least for me, are a little uncomfortable. This is a psalm about trust and confidence. It's about our good shepherd who is trustworthy in both good times and in uncertain times. Our God is sovereign and nothing happens without him allowing it to happen. But not only is he sovereign, he's good. We trust him because he is able and he is just and he is merciful and he is loving. There is a great hope in this. The Lord is my shepherd. The first words of the psalm, the Lord, Yahweh, brings to mind rich images of the provision and protection of a covenant God. In one of my favorite passages from the Old Testament, he promised to take care of his people. And he revealed himself to be full of love and compassion, patience, fidelity, and forgiveness. Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, passionate and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in faithfulness and truth, who keeps faithfulness for thousands, who forgives wrongdoing, violations of his law and sin, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, inflicting punishment of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. The Lord, the Lord God, passionate and merciful. The word Lord here is Yahweh. It is the personal name of a covenant God, the God who is self-existent, eternal, holy, omnipotent, perfect, and our shepherd. 
Think about young David before he became King David. A servant's job was to protect and to guide the flock. The flock in turn trusts the shepherd. And you know, we must trust God because every promise that follows this first line is based on his willingness and ability to keep his promises and to be trustworthy. The psalmist says, Yahweh is my shepherd, with the emphasis on, on my. The temptation in ancient Israel was to view God as our God. If you'll remember the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, and forgetting that God was not just the God of Israel, all Israel, but he was also a personal God to the individual personal and a subjective expression of reverence is how we approach him. This allows each believer to take the words on his lips and express in gratitude and confidence and all the demonstrations of God's servant love that are his own individually too. You know, I can tell y'all in general terms what a wife is. I can describe the attributes of a good wife, and academically, I can tell y'all what a wife is. Or, I can tell y'all about my Nancy in a very loving way. I can describe to you academically why it's good to have a wife, or I can describe to you from experience what it is to love a wife and to be loved by a wife in that relationship. This is not our God only. This is our God individually, and he relates to us individually. I shall not need. God made us, and he knows our needs. He knows them better than we know them, uh, and he will not leave us lacking. In this case, The word need is used and not want. How many times have we told our children, or honestly, how many times have we been told that there's a difference between needs and wants? You know, our children can be legitimately hungry and they need food, but maybe they want a bag of candy or a half a gallon of ice cream. Well... That's what they want. This is talking about anything which is necessary for this life or the next. He's preparing us for now. He's preparing us for eternity. The first blessing that David experienced was spiritual nourishment. Just as the shepherd leads sheep to fresh grass for feeding, so the Lord leads his people. One who follows the Lord is not in lack of any spiritual nourishment. Food for the soul is God's word. We need to stay in it. He's spoken to us. We need to stay in it. We don't need to be out of it. God is his shepherd and his God. God, all-sufficient to all intents and purposes, David found him to be just that, And so have we.
shepherds were skillful and cleverly placed the sheep and properly laid them, he makes me lie down in green pastures. We have supports and comfort for this life through God's good hand. Our daily, <clears throat> excuse me, our daily bread comes from our Father. He knows what we need in order to nourish us and to grow us, grow us into his likeness. The greatest abundance is nothing but dry pasture to a wicked man who enjoys only those things which please the senses. But a godly man who tastes the goodness of God in all his comfort is experiencing green pastures and he enjoys it in faith through God even though he may have just a little bit of what's available in the world. Remember what Paul said in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not that I speak from need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with little, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's milk for babies. It's pasture for sheep. Never barren, never eaten bare, never parched, but always green pasture for faith to feed in times of need. God makes his saints lie down. He gives them quiet and contentment in their own minds. We are blessed with the green pastures of his ordinances. Let us not think it's enough to pass through them, to pass through the green pastures, but let us lie down in them and abide in them, enjoy them. This is my rest forever. It is a constancy as a means of grace that the soul is fed. He leads me beside quiet waters. A second blessing comes as the Lord's leading in spiritual restoration. As a shepherd leads his sheep to a calm, peaceful waters to rest and to cleanse, the Lord restores and refreshes the soul. Here the spiritual lesson is clear. The Lord provides forgiveness and peace and refreshes the soul. They are well guided and well led. The shepherd guides his own like a flock and every believer is under the same guidance. He leadeth me beside still waters. Those that feed on God's goodness must follow his direction. He leads them by his providence, by his word, by his spirit, according to his counsel, directs their eyes, their way, and their hearts into his love. He's directing us. The still waters by which he leads them yield them not only a pleasant prospect, but a cooling draft. Many a reviving environment when they are thirsty and weary. 
God provides for his people not only food and rest, but refreshment and pleasure. If we look at the psalm and just picture in our mind's eye this, it's calming, it's refreshing, it's restorative. The consolations of God, the joys of the Holy Spirit, are these still waters by which the saints are led, streams which flow from the fountains of living water and make glad the city of our God. God leads his people, not to the standing waters which can corrupt or gather filth, not to troubled sea, nor to rapid rolling floods, but to the silent purling waters. For the still but running waters agree best with those, whose, best with those spirits that flow towards God and yet do it silently. Peace. These quiet waters not only refresh us, but the Lord cleanses us from sin and provides spiritual refreshment and renewal from the utter chaos of this life, those unexpected things that are happening all the time outside of our control. And, and I want you to note, he leads them. He doesn't push them. He leads. Sheep are skittish, and they respond to leading and not pushing. So do we. John 10 and 27, Jesus said, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Intentionally possessive language. My sheep, my voice, follow me. This is a personal God that loves us and leads us. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. God is our sufficiency. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. God's nature is to guide. He's not a reluctant leader. Even though sometimes we are very reluctant followers. And following is often during uncertain, and we're hesitant, and we're tentative as we follow. A good shepherd knows the right paths on which to hold the sheep and to get the sheep home safely. So also the Lord loses none of his sheep, but guides them in the right way. Keep the sheep, excuse me, we like sheep or tend to wander from the fold, but the shepherd seeks out each lost one. If you'll remember the almost unbelievable math in the uh, parable where Jesus talks about where the good shepherd left the 99 to find the one lost sheep. That's a remarkable God. All of us need the renewing power for this life. Like King David, it's often difficult for us to confess, but we have weaknesses. More often, we have sin, and we need to confess that sin to a loving God 
and he supplies supernatural strength. The child wasn't wrong when she stated, the Lord is my shepherd. That's all I want. And if we think about it, the Lord is our shepherd, and that's all we want. Not only is it all we want, but it's all we need. Still waters comfort that run by paths of righteousness. The way of obedience is truly a pleasant way. The work of righteousness is in that peace. These paths we cannot walk unless God leads us into them and leads us in them. There is a difference. By his word, he directs me to the right ways of truth and holiness and righteousness. And by his spirit, he inclines and enables me to choose them and to continue to walk in them for his namesake. Not for any worth that I have in me but merely for a demonstration of the glory of his justice and his faithfulness and goodness according to his revealed character. Having had such experience of God's goodness in all my days, I'll never distrust him. Not in the end. Because all he has done for me until now, not because of any merit of mine, purely for his namesake, in the following of his word, in the performance of his promises and glory of his own attributes and relations to his people. The name, therefore, shall be my strong tower and shall assure me that he who has led me and fed me all my life long will not leave me in the end. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Notice here that the psalmist has changed. He has changed from the Lord, he, him, to you. He's changed from the third person pronouns to second person pronouns. He's gone from academic knowledge of a God to real life. He's gone from teaching to prayer. The psalmist has been talking about God. Now he's talking to God. And we see that if we are his sheep, it's only the shadow of death, not death itself. I leaned heavily on Matthew Henry for part of this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that is, though I am under the arrests of death, have received the sentence of death within myself, and have all reason in the world to look upon myself as a dying man, yet I am easy. Those that are sick, those that are old, have reason to look into themselves as the valley of the shadow of death. Here, In one word, one word, which sounds terrible, is death, which we must all count on. That's a fight we cannot win. It's a war that will 
uh, be in. But even in the supposition of the distress, there are four words which lessen the terror. It is death that the Lord, death indeed that is before us, but it is but the shadow of death. There is no substantial evil in it. The shadow of the serpent will not sting, nor the shadow of the sword kill. It's the valley of the shadow. It's a deep valley. There is no substantial evil. It's a deep valley, dark and dirty, but valleys are fruitful, and so is death, because fruitful comforts God's people. It is but a walk in the valley, a gentle, pleasant walk. The wicked are chased out of the world, and their souls are required, but God's saints take a walk to another world, as cheerful as they take their leave of this one. And it's a walk through it. They shall not be lost in the valley forever. They shall get safely to the mountain of spices on the other side of the valley. You are with me. Are there not more comforting words? There are not more comforting words. This word from the Spirit comforts us. We will never be forsaken and never be alone. In the Psalms, we read, Whom or what shall we fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation. I've got to say right now, though, this only applies to believers. If you haven't experienced the brokenness and the regret and the conviction of sin and never repented, then there is indeed real fear. If you find yourself in that group, please seek out someone today that we can talk to you, that we can pray with you, and we can put that fear to rest. Your rod and your staff, referring to the shepherd's crook, or the rod under which the sheep passed when they were counted in Leviticus 27 and 32. That's how the shepherd knows one of the sheep is missing. That's also how the shepherd looks to see the condition the sheep are in because of a personal interest in each individual sheep. Or the staff with which the shepherds drove away the dogs that were scattering or worrying or scaring the sheep. It's a comfort to the saints when they come to die that God takes notice of them. He knows that they are his he will rebuke the enemy. He will guide them with his he will guide the sheep with his rod and sustains them with his staff. The gospel is called the rod of Christ's strength in Psalm 110 too. 
And there is enough in that to comfort the saints when they come to die and are underneath them in his everlasting arms. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Notice the change again. God is no longer referred to as a shepherd, but he is a gracious host. Not only that, but the scene has changed from the valley of the shadow of death to a banquet hall where our gracious God is a gracious host with, who is providing lavish hospitality. The psalmist rejoices that God's provision, what comfort it was to King David that he was in the presence of his enemies. Despite threatening danger, the Lord spread a table out in front of him. In other words, God provided for him and he doesn't need to fear because he's at the Lord's table. The Lord's table. The picture of the anointing of the head, which was refreshing and soothing. And it marries well with the concept of a gracious host, welcoming someone into his home. Anointing is not only for the anointing on coronation of kings, as we see in 2 Kings 11 and 12, and it's not just for the installation of the high priest, as we read in Psalm 133:2, but it's also an act of courtesy and hospitality toward a guest. If you will remember, Jesus accused Simon the Pharisee of not being a good host because he didn't anoint his head in Luke 47 and 46. In view of the table and the oil, King David knew his lot in life. His cup was abundant blessing of the Lord. God had provided good things, not like the cup of wrath in Isaiah 51, 17, but the abundance of his provision, both physical and spiritual, helps to put our troubles and tears in perspective. Overflowing speaks to the fact that God's provisions are more than sufficient. More than sufficient. They are abundant and plentiful and enough for us and for others. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Does this imply that only good things happen? It reminds you of the testimonies that we hear sometimes when someone tells you that they were just a miserable wretch and then God saved them and life was happily ever after. Experience doesn't go that way. This is God's favor and the blessing and comfortable effects and benefits of it will follow me. An emphatic expression that, that signifies God's admirable freeness and readiness to do good for his people all the days of my life. He justly concludes, 
from the former instances that God's favor to him because of the unchangeableness of God's nature and the stability of his covenant and promises. I have formerly driven from God's house, I was formerly driven from God's house, but I rest assured that I shall now constantly enjoy that blessed privilege of serving and enjoying God in his sanctuary, which I prize more than anything in my control. Now, having said that, we need to be very careful that we do not presume to tell an omniscient, omnipotent, merciful, and loving God what is good and what is bad. God is good. He determines what is good and what is bad. God is sovereign. That is his determination. King David realized that God's good and loyal love would go with him everywhere throughout all his life. No matter what the circumstances may be, no matter what the circumstances are. This verse could as easily been read, happiness and grace will pursue me. Think about that, will pursue me. God pursues us. There is no circumstance here that changes that. It's attitude-based, not circumstances-based. So what do we see in this often quoted psalm? Well, if we belong to him, we have a good shepherd. Because he is good, we can trust him, even when it hurts. He not only knows our wants and our needs better than we do, but he provides for us. He provides rest and restoration, soothing and cleansing. He guides us in the way we should go for his glory and for our good. And not only is he our shepherd, but he is our host. And thus provides for our needs and for our protection. We have no need to fear. We have assurance that when we belong to him, it's forever. Nothing can pry us from his hands. So one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Gracious Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you that we need not fear. We thank you that we have a shepherd and a host. We thank you that you know our needs before we do and better than we do. We thank you, Father, that there is nothing that we have to be concerned about other than keeping in accordance with your word. Father, we ask that you would give us an insatiable appetite to be in your word. And Father, that we would grow in the likeness of Christ. It's in and through the precious and holy name of Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing together.